Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. Uh, so you can now take out the notes for tonight's class. This is our last session of this class on following the Lord. So we'll answer all your questions at the end. Uh, if you have a decision you're trying to make and following the Lord's will, you just tell me what it is and I'll tell you what God's will for you is. Um, so that's the blessing of tonight's class. Tim, you look a little skeptical there. Uh, and you should be. I will not be doing that. I'm just teasing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, as we've been learning in this class, uh, the goal is more so the idea of, of wisdom, right? Walking in the fear of the Lord and how God's instructions in His Word, how uh, a great sense of awe and reverence for God really help us to make wise choices and follow the Lord's leading in life. And uh, it's not so much about uh, writing on the wall or the shape of some cloud that's going to reveal to me, you know, what I need to do um, and and. Sometimes we are, are tempted to seek out those, those mystical or sensational ways of, you know, somehow discovering God's will, and that's not so much uh, the goal that we have. Um, and so, you know, uh, as an opening discussion question, I think you have it there in your notes, here's, here's our question. What goes wrong when we assume that God normally guides us in mystical, sensational ways? What goes wrong when we assume that God normally guides us in mystical, sensational ways? So that's, uh, uh, you know, any, you could, uh, there's like an infinite number of possibilities here, but, uh, you know, you... Um, but it's like Gideon's fleece out on the lawn, right? Well, if it's wet, then I'll do this. If it's dry, then I'll do this. Or, um, you know, you came to a red stoplight, and so somehow that means that you should buy the red sweater uh, that day or whatever. I don't know. You know, there's any number of things. So what goes wrong when we're constantly looking for these mystical or sensational uh, revelations of God's will? Yeah, Andrea. Yeah, yeah, we kind of find the connections that we want, right? Um, maybe you've had that happen where you're trying to make a decision and uh, you're like, oh, I just don't know what to do. And you tell somebody else and they're like, oh, well, you should do this one. And then you kind of realize like, oh, actually, no, now I know. Now that they've told me to do this one, I realize I want to do the other one, you know? And so a lot of times our desires end up showing up in ways we don't realize. Yeah. What else? What else goes wrong when we are overly dependent on that sen- those mystical, sensational. Yeah, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're not really trusting the Lord. We're, we're, we're looking for something extra. Yeah. 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 Yeah, a lot of highs and lows. It could just be kind of how you feel that day. Uh, and so there could be big pendulum swings, and that's where we get those, that, those massive regrets, right? We make one decision one day, and then the next day we're like, what was I thinking? You know, good. What else? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. We build patterns and habits 
that blind us to the fact that, oh, I'm, not, I'm actually disobeying God's word in favor of my feelings. And yeah, we get ourselves into big trouble then. Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah, it's kind of a scary way to live, isn't it? It's like, oh no, what if I missed the sign, right? You know, and it's like, I blinked, and there could have been writing on the wall that I missed, you know? And I, ah. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit scary. If, it, if it's some thing that I have, some difficult thing I have to figure out, and it's kind of a frightening, frightening way to live. Okay, well, good examples. Here's just a few more ideas. One is that it takes... Um, what is abnormal in Scripture, so you think about it, there are times that God reveals his, his will in really unique ways. And respectfully, we might even say what to us seems like strange ways even. Um, and so that does happen in Scripture. But it's also very clear that that's not normal, right? That's not God's regular way of revealing his will. And you even think of it, there's, there, there's hardly even... A repeated, you know, in those really unique ways, like Gideon's fleece outside of his house. Well, that was all Gideon's idea in the first place, and God was just kind to sort of play along. Um, but in those unique things, there's really no repetition of those unique things. They're all, well, unique, right? So, you know, that's a clue to us that this is not God's normal way of revealing his will. These are sort of unique scenarios. Um, His normal guidance in Scripture is, of course, his word. He sent the prophets to his people Israel to speak his word to them, and that was to be their clear direction. And all through Scripture, that pattern continues. We have a God who speaks. We have a God who reveals himself with his word. And we have that word today through his Son. You remember studying Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3? God, who in various ways at various times spoke through his prophets and visions and dreams, but now has spoken to us through his Son, right? So Jesus came as the Word of God, and he spoke and taught the words of the Father, and then handed that Word off to his disciples, who taught it and preached it in the church, and then were the ones who wrote it down for us to have uh, since then. Uh, Number two, mysticism makes God seem tricky and sly instead of loving and kind. So if we're always looking for something sensational, what it implies about God is that he's like this this puzzle that has to be figured out. And he's sort of hiding things from us, and it's difficult to figure out his will, which is, of course, not the case at all. Um, And uh, a great illustration there is the scripture where Jesus is teaching and says, uh, Which of you fathers... Right? If your son asks for bread, would you give him a stone? Right? Uh, I think it's Luke um, maybe 11. And uh, then Jesus says, well, if you fathers, earthly fathers, being you know, evil, sinful, know how to provide for your sons, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? So you know, God's not sly and tricky. And then finally, a focus on the mystic uh, suggests that God's word isn't sufficient 
for helping us to make decisions. One of the key truths about the Word of God is that it is sufficient. It is everything we need for life and godliness. That's 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse mm, 4, maybe. Anyway, look it up. 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll just leave it there. Everything we need for life and godliness. All right, so uh, again, just kind of shooting down mysticism. Let's get into uh, a few more tools. Last week, we talked about three tools we have uh, for following God's will. And uh, this week, we have two more tools and then kind of a summary conclusion. The first tool is our circumstances. Circumstances. Uh, So let's begin by discussing some wrong ways to read our circumstances. Uh, I'm curious what ideas you have. What are some wrong ways that we might use our circumstances, you know, to think we know God's will and it may not really be true? This kind of gets into the mystical, doesn't it? Yeah, Scott. Yes, yes. Yeah, you really wanted something for a long time, and then Black Friday hits, and it's, whatever, 50% off. It's like, oh, it's God's will. He wants me to buy this, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Any other thoughts? What are some wrong ways to read our circumstances? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, something negative happens, and we equate that with God's no, right? Which isn't necessarily the case. Yeah, good. Okay, let's talk about a few here. The first one would be oversensitivity to open and shut doors. This would be like you're backing out of your driveway to go to work, and a pedestrian's walking by, so you have to stop your car and wait. Oh, it must be God's will that I don't go to work today. There was a pedestrian in the way of me getting out of my driveway. So it's a closed door, so you pull back in the garage and stay home for the day, right? A little too sensitive to the setbacks of life that, that happen, okay? Um, and so, of course, that's a, an extreme exaggerated example, but these kinds of things happen uh, actually quite a bit, um, you know, a young man might say, well, I had planned to propose to my fiance, but it rained both times I wanted to ask her to marry me. And so I feel like maybe God's closing the door on our relationship. <laughs> well, maybe, but he's, he'll probably use a little more than just rain to tell you that, right? Um, so yeah, oversensitivity to open and shut doors. Another one would be that bad circumstances equal bad de- a bad decision. This is kind of what Andrew was talking about. Let's say I decide to do something, but then it goes poorly, right? We plan an event on such and such a day, and then it rains. We have to cancel the event. And so this means, oh, it must have been a bad decision to, ha- to even have that event in the first place. Well, no, just because something doesn't go the way I wanted it to doesn't mean the decision was Uh, a bad decision. So, for instance, I think we could easily say that uh, Jesus' um, experience on the way to the cross and on the cross was a bad circumstance, right? Not pleasant. Um, But it's actually the result of him making the right choices, okay? So, bad circumstances do not always equal or mean that you made a poor choice. Uh, And then finally would be uh, totally ignoring open or closed 
doors. Uh, this means that, um, it, yeah, sometimes uh, we can be a little bullheaded about the things we want to do. Um, so this might be the person who wants to go to the mission field. And, uh, you know, it's just not working out. The spouse has a health problem. The, their church has said, well, we, we think you ought to wait and get more mature before you go. But they're just kind of, no, we know this is God's will. And so they're pushing their way through every closed door, you know, to make it to the mission field. Well, sometimes God is using the input of others, right? Those closed doors to help us sense that, ah, well, maybe we should not yet go to the mission field or whatever uh, example you might uh, use. So um, we'll, we'll come back to that. But yeah, there's sort of two ditches with those open and closed doors. God does use those sometimes, uh, but it's not, it's not enough information. We typically need more information to consider those. So let's think about some right ways to use circumstances or to understand our circumstances. And this is just a great summary. To see our circumstances as the good acts of a sovereign God. Now, of course, evil things happen in the world. Right? We have to acknowledge that. Um, w- winter is a great example. Of course, my wife thinks it's magical. Uh, I just think it's treacherous, right? I mean, there's just ice and, and snow and it's cold. You could die outside. Just being outside, you could die, right? Think about it. Okay, well, anyway, we won't get into the winter debate we live in a fallen world, right? And so we don't have to think hard. There are earthquakes and tornadoes and hailstorms and you name it, all sorts of examples of our fallen world. There are evil acts that take place, murder, um, war, right? We see that in our world right now. However, there's still a God who's sovereign and we can trust what he's allowed to happen. And so verses like Romans eight twenty eight, for instance, all things are working together for good. So, so there's a sovereign God behind the scenes, behind even the evil things. Uh, that God is tempering them, and God is orchestrating the details uh, of the whole universe uh, to work together for good. And so when we look at our circumstances, it's important to look to the sovereign God behind them. Well, what does this mean for our decisions First of all, it means we can trust God's plan. We can trust God's plan. Circumstances are, are one of those things that we, we, we can't completely control, at least as we look backwards. Right? The things that have happened have happened. Okay? Now, there are times when you know, God gives us the ability moving forward to control our circumstances. So if I'm at home and I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm hungry, and I'm crying out to God, Lord, why won't you provide for me? I'm hungry. You said you would meet my every need. Well, did a sovereign God allow my circumstance to be hungry? Well, sure, he did. But he's also given me, at least, the ability to get up off the couch and go over to the fridge and put together a little sandwich uh, and, and, and satisfy the hunger. See, God has provided. So, so we have responsibility in those circumstances, but those circumstances that we can't control, we have to trust the Lord with those things. We have to trust his plan. Um, and that doesn't mean that we made a mistake, and it doesn't mean that we didn't make a mistake. So it works both ways. Something turning out really bad doesn't necessarily mean it was a poor choice, and something turning out really good doesn't necessarily mean that it was a good choice. 
Okay? That's called pragmatism. If it works, it must have been good. Well, not necessarily. Right? Um, and so instead, we have to trust the Lord's sovereign plan behind things. What's beautiful about that is that God is bigger even than our mistakes. Because otherwise, mistakes would just be kind of life-shattering. Right? You make a mistake, you can't go back and change it. Like, it's done, it's happened. And if God's will were dependent on our always doing the right thing, we'd be in huge trouble. Right? I mean, I would have wandered so far from God's will by now. I've made so many mistakes. But God's sovereignty is bigger than my mistakes. Um, he, he can use even the things that I do wrong to bring about good, which is just incredible and so reassuring um, even when I, when I have made mistakes. So it helps us to trust God's plan. Uh, next, it means we can learn from our circumstances. Uh, sometimes our circumstances tell us something about ourselves. If you can't throw a ball to first base, it's probably unlikely that God is calling you to try out for the Chicago Cubs, uh, though some might argue that they might take you anyway. But <laughs> if you keep getting shot down for a particular job, it may be that God hasn't equipped you to be in that line of work. So, you know, sometimes when, when things happen in our lives, when patterns happen, there are things that we can learn about ourselves. Well, maybe God is leading me towards something else, right? This door keeps closing over here. And again, we can't know that for sure, but it's part of what we weigh in the counsel of wisdom and, uh, and, and what we consider. Um, so it's not so much a mystical reading of open and closed doors, but rather learning from the past, learning from what has happened, uh, and having that teachable heart uh, where the experiences of life are teaching me wisdom, right? And so here we go back to that idea of wisdom. And that's what the, Pro- the book of Proverbs is all about. The wise person is easily taught, just always learning from life and from circumstances and from people. And so part of walking that path of wisdom is learning from our circumstances. Um, and that no matter what happens, we can develop humility and contentment. At the top of the page, you have a quotation from one of my favorite songs, Whate'er my God ordains is right. We've sung it here at church a few times. Um, I'll just read the text to you. You have it there in your notes. Whate'er my God ordains is right. He never will deceive me. He leads me by the proper path. I know he will not leave me. I take content what he hath sent. His hand can turn my griefs away and patiently I wait his day. So in that stanza is expressed all sorts of trust in God's sovereignty, humility that I don't know, but he does know, contentment that says I'll wait for his timing and his leading along the path, uh, and just a number of sweet expressions of trust in that song. Uh, And I encourage you, if you have a place where you pray regularly, that's just a neat poem, you know, songs or poems. It's a neat poem to have nearby uh, as you pray, uh, as just a a nice expression of trust in God. So I encourage you to think about that.
Humility and contentment that God knows best. Now, some would ask, does this lead to lazy complacency, right? Where it's, you know, decisions, it's just all a sovereign God. I can't trust my circumstances, so I'll just kind of sit back and see what God does. Um, should I, you know, is, what about ambition? Is there a place for ambition? Should I have goals? Should I pursue things? Or am I just forcing myself past all of God's closed doors, right? How many closed doors does it take before I stop pursuing something? <laughs> well, I can't answer that question, you know, by saying three doors or two doors or something like that. But I really like this phrase. Instead of lazy complacency, pursue open-handed ambition. Open-handed ambition. So open-handed is, is this, right? Where sitting in your hands are those things that you might call your ambitions. You know, I, I I would really love to yada, yada, yada. I think this would please the Lord. Um, It'd be exciting. Man, that'd be so fun. And it'd be really cool to do this. But we hold that with open hands. We we keep submitting it to the Lord. Okay, Lord, man, I'd love to be a missionary to Hawaii, but, um, you know, if that's not what you have, that's okay, you know, or whatever our ambition might be, right? And so it's okay to have those goals, to have those desires, to have those ambitions, but we hold them with open hands. And that open-handedness is what reminds us that we're we're ready for the Lord at any time to just take that out of our hands and say, no, that's not what I have for you. Um, And just having a heart that holds those ambitions that way prepares us to follow God's leading and to avoid the ditches of oversensitivity to open and closed doors and just plowing through closed doors and ignoring open doors, right? And so that balance in the middle is ambition. Like, here's, here's what I think would be good, Lord. And so here's what I'm after. But you have the right to change my plans at any time. Um, I think I've shared before with you that in my life, the big decisions that I've made, I don't know that I can think of any decision that I knew 100% that this, this was what, I, what God wanted me to do. When it came time to make the decision, I felt like I was way down, you know, I don't know, I won't put an actual number to it, but not at 100% where I was like, yep, here's the right decision. And yet, it was time to make the choice. And so in those moments, what we have to do is we have to trust that the efforts I put into to praying and seeking counsel, and asking God for wisdom, and reading His Word, and all of these things, and the way God has used used circumstances and shaped my desires, have led me to this place, and at this moment, because the decision needs to be made, I have everything I need to know to make that choice. And so a prayer that I've often prayed heading into those decisions is, okay, Lord, as best I can tell, you know, all the the thinking I've done, and the counsel I've received, that this this is what you want me to do. And so I'm about to step forward into this. I'm not 100% sure, but I think this is right. And wisdom would tell me that this is right. So here we go. But Lord, you maintain the right down to the last second to redirect my steps. And I'm open to that. So I'm going to step forward and you lead me as you please. Right? And so you sort of maintain that. I think this is what's right. And so I'm going to go after this. But Lord, you, you have the authority in my life to do whatever you want. Um, and so we, we, we both have ambition, but we stay open-handed with it. All right, any questions or comments on 
how we think through our circumstances before we move on to our feelings. All right, I'll take that as a closed door. (laughs) Moving on to feelings. How do feelings come into play to following the Lord's will? Let's think, first of all, about wrong ways to interpret our feelings or use our feelings. Any examples that you have? Yeah, Jennifer. There you go. Yeah, I feel in love with this person, but yeah, there, there may be clear, spoken parts of God's will that I'm ignoring in order to follow that feeling. Yeah. Other examples. Wrong ways. Yes. That's right. Yeah, so Kurt said, uh, just in case you couldn't hear him, waiting for a specific feeling before you feel good about a decision, right? Some would call it like this sense of peace. Do you have peace about it? Or, yeah, something like that that you're waiting for, and you won't make the decision until you have that. Um, Yeah, good, good example. Any other? Okay, you you got the examples that I had. So one is... Number one, assuming that an inner prompting is definitely the Holy Spirit. I just feel really burdened about this. I feel really strongly. So God is telling me to. As Christians, we throw that phrase around pretty easily. God is telling me to. And just as a, just as a word of advice, take it or leave it, I would encourage you not to use that wording unless you're quoting a Bible verse. Um, Because really, God's word, what God says, what we have of that today is his written word. So unless you're quoting a Bible verse, I just encourage you not to say, God told me to, or God is telling me to. Instead, I found it much more helpful to say things like, well, I think God is working in my heart in these ways, or he used this verse to really burden me for this. Um, you know, God can use scripture in those ways, but, um, but yeah, we really have to be careful on assuming we know exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying in us. Um, even if we're convicted of sin, uh, sometimes that can be, uh, you know, something that we misinterpret, uh, where it's actually just self-condemnation. So again, we have to be careful with that. Um, God, uh, God gets blamed for a lot of things. Uh, God told me to do this. It's like, well, I don't actually think he did. I remember one counseling scenario where the person I was counseling was trying to convince me um, that God had told them to directly disobey a command of Scripture. It was like, ah, God is not going to lead you to go against his word, okay? Let's just set that as a foundational truth here. And uh, so that was a fun conversation. But anyway, uh, yeah, we can't assume that something going on in my heart is, uh, is definitely the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of my 
favorite lines from A Christmas Carol, since we're in that time of year, uh, is when uh, Scrooge uh, is beginning, to, his heart is beginning to soften, and he, you know, he sees the ghost of uh, Marley or something like that. And he says, you could just be a, you could just be a, a bad bit of cheese or, or a morsel of undigested beef, right? Uh, the, the idea being, you know, what's going on in here is not always, uh, yeah, God's spirit. Sometimes it could just be something we ate, so. Uh, and then, Kurt, you mentioned this one, not acting until we feel an inner peace, uh, and again, you've, you've interacted with people uh, on this one where they, you know, I've thought this through and I, this, you know, I, this makes sense and this makes sense and this passage of scripture was helpful, but I just don't have peace about it. Well, I, you know, certainly there's the promise in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that when we're anxious, we talk to the Lord, we bring our supplication to the Lord, and the peace of God which passes understanding will guard our hearts and minds. But that's related to our anxiety. It's not related to decisions, okay? Um, And so just be careful of always looking for this grand sense of of peace. So, um, for instance, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3, the Apostle Paul talks about his coming to Corinth. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. Now, God had led him there uh, in Acts chapter 18, but he still had a sense of, you know, unsettledness about being there in Corinth and about what would happen to him. Um, And so, you know, even knowing exactly what God wants us to do doesn't mean that there will be a complete sense of peace about it. I still get nervous on Sunday mornings when I go up to, to preach and on the one hand, sure, I know it's what the Lord wants me to do, but I wouldn't call it a sense of peace, right? It's just this tension, like, okay, here we go, right? So we just have to be careful about our feelings um, and looking for this specific feeling that could actually hold us back from doing the right thing. Uh, so let's think about some right ways to use feelings. Uh, maybe three categories here. One would be intuition, uh, and this is where uh, there are ways where wisdom, we could also call this common sense, or um, maybe a common colloquialism is trust your gut. Now, you have to be careful with this, but we'll put it in terms of common sense or wisdom. When you walk into a scenario and you can kind of just sense that something is off, something's not right, okay? So maybe we could use the scenario of, uh, it's a dark night, somebody's walking down the street, and, you know, they just sense ahead that just, you know, this is a kind of a shady situation here. I think I'm going to turn around and head the other way, right? So that, that's just common sense. And was something bad going to happen? Well, I don't know, but it's probably wise not to risk it, okay? Um, and so there is a time to sort of listen to our feelings. For instance, we've talked about the fact that fear in a sense, is a gift from God. Uh, my opening illustration for the whole class was our family trip to Colorado and you know, hiking through this canyon where we kept seeing rattlesnakes. Okay, So my fear of getting bit by a rattlesnake was not wrong. That's actually a healthy intuition there. To Let's, let's step back from the poisonous snake that could kill me, right? 
Um, and so there is health, there is good, there's wisdom in, in those uh, feelings that God has given us. They're not everything, um, but they, they can be beneficial. And again, that has a lot to do with wisdom. Another one is leadings that are prompted by the Spirit. And what I encourage you to do with this one is to always try to attach Scripture so if you've got a burden for something, if you've got a strong feeling about something and you're wondering, is this God's Spirit you know, moving me to do this? A great way to answer that question is to go to the Word. Is there a verse that God has used in my life to direct me? Because Scripture, the Word of God, is how God speaks clearly, right? And so I just encourage you, to look for a verse. Is God using me, or is God using Scripture to, to direct me in this? Uh, the other thing with that is sometimes there's no harm in, in giving it a shot, but just be careful of saying definitively that the Spirit led me to do this. Okay? So let's say you get home from work and your neighbor's out in the front yard pulling some weeds. Not this time of year, of course, but at any rate, it's summer. And so they're out in the front yard pulling some weeds, and you pull in, and as you pull into the driveway, you think to yourself, you know, I've been praying about opportunities to witness. Yeah, I, there's some things I need to get working on in the house, but, but maybe, maybe the Lord wants me to just go talk to my neighbor for a little bit. And, and so you're kind of wondering to yourself, is this, the, is this the Holy Spirit right now telling me to go talk to them? And I say, well, the answer to that question is not all that important. It's more of a wisdom decision in that moment. Well, I, can, I have time to, I can do it. God's been working in my heart generally regarding evangelism. So whether this is from the Holy Spirit or not, I think I'm gonna, it's a wise decision. I'm going to go talk to them. And then we don't have to play that game. If they get saved, ah, it was the Holy Spirit. Or if they don't get saved, oh, it must have just been my feelings. Or, you know, no, it's just, a, it's just a wisdom decision. And was it God moving in my heart? Well, maybe, um, but it's not necessarily important to nail that down and then tell everybody, God told me to go talk to my neighbor, so I went and talked to my neighbor. You know, well, I was burdened to go talk to my neighbor. I've been praying about an opportunity, and so I went and talked to them, and boy, God opened the door for the gospel. is amazing, right? So I don't know if that makes sense or not, but um, we just have to be careful of, like, nailing it down. That was God's Spirit that told me to do that. Well, it may have been, but what's clearest is the Word of God. And then finally, desires. So Psalm 37.4, Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if we study that verse in its context, it becomes even clearer that when the psalmist says he will give you the desires of your heart, it doesn't mean that he will give me everything my heart has ever longed for. It's not a Disney verse, you know, follow your heart and all your dreams will come true. Well, no. I'm a dream crusher up here is what I am. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord. Well, think about it for a second. It says in the second half of the verse, he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, what are you doing when you're delighting in the Lord? You're making the Lord the desire of your heart. Does that make sense? So when it says, delight in the Lord, make him the desire of your heart, he will give you the desire of your heart. It means that God will satisfy you. So we delight in him and he satisfies us. 
All of the longings of our hearts are satisfied in the Lord. Um, Now, as we delight in Him, we will develop what we could call uh, God-like affections or virtuous affections, if you want to call them that. We will like the same things that God likes. We develop the same tastes that He has, right? Uh, Sin will grow more and more repulsive, and virtue will grow more and more attractive. Um, The more we delight ourselves in the Lord, the more we enjoy Him and worship Him and walk with Him, He does begin to change our affections. And so when that's happening in our lives, when we're aligning ourselves with the Lord and delighting in Him, there comes a place where we can begin to enjoy what God leads us to do. And we don't, you know, it's not like we're always saying, oh, God, to make, I wanted to do that, so of course that meant I had to do the other thing. You know, it's just this ho-hum, Eeyore kind of Christian life. But actually, when we delight in the Lord, there's a whole lot of delight in obeying Him. And it's not a drudgery or a problem or an issue. When we're just enjoying God, we actually find that we want to do what's pleasing to Him. And that will grow and grow throughout your Christian life. Um, But it's so fun when that happens uh, because it's just, it's a joy to do the things that God has called us to do. It's a delight. And so there's a sense in which we can follow our desires as we're delighting in the Lord. Now, this is important. Understanding our desires is important for a few reasons. Number one, God gives us freedom within what is right. So, I mean, just a super silly example. Uh, you're fixing yourself dinner. And uh, so there's, you know, three or four menu options. You know, you don't always have to choose the asparagus. Right? Somebody in here likes asparagus, I see. Well, that's good. That's good. I'll send you all my asparagus. Um, We have freedom, right? And so do I need to make healthy choices when I eat? Yes, but I don't always have to eat the asparagus. Now, if somebody serves it to me, fine. I'll eat the asparagus. But, right, I can also make, I I could uh, fry up some peppers and onions and maybe some Brussels sprouts. Oh, yeah. Right, So, so there's actually some beautiful freedom in the realm of wisdom and, and pleasing the Lord. And, and some of us like asparagus, which is great. Ah, we could trade! This is beautiful. I love it. All right. <laughs> uh, we can often serve God better doing what we want. Now, some of this involves just our submission to God's will. There are times when He calls us to do things that are not pleasant. In fact, loving people almost always involves personal sacrifice, right? Lay down your life for others. This is love. So so it almost always involves personal sacrifice. So I'm not telling you just to avoid, uh, uh, just to always do what you want. That's not my point. But in the the realm of the decisions of life, God is for our good and delight. Um, 
And I will be much more productive in serving the Lord, doing the things that He has wired me to enjoy than I will doing the things that are just a drudgery for me and are really hard. Now, should I be willing to obey Him and do those things? Yeah, absolutely. And to take joy in doing it, in washing someone's feet, for instance, like Jesus did, right? <laughs> may not be the thing I enjoy, but if He leads me to do it, if it's the right thing to do, I, I can enjoy that in the Lord. But on the other hand, God is so kind in the way that He leads us. And often, it's, it, he's, he's wired us to, to just find fulfillment and joy in certain things. Um, so, so the example in the notes here is that you, know, you might have one person uh, who, who loves working with numbers. Um, and you might have another person uh, who, who loves working with design and style, right? And so, you know, the one, like, well, I would work with numbers, but maybe I'm just choosing what I enjoy. So maybe I should be an interior designer. And the other who enjoys working with design says, well, that's what I enjoy. And, and so maybe, that's, maybe I'm just doing it because I want to. So maybe I should be an accountant instead, you know. And like, well, no, actually, maybe God gave you delight in numbers because he wanted you to be an accountant, you know. It's just, it's, God's not, you know, this cosmic killjoy up there. Often he's, he's wired us, and we can take the things we enjoy, we can take those into account as we seek to serve him. Again, we can give that too much weight, uh, but there's, there's some wisdom there. Desires, on the other hand, often reveal idolatry. So back to that uh, open-handed ambition. This is when our desires, we become closed-handed, and we start to pull our arms in and guard uh, those things that we've wrapped our little fingers around. Um, Desires can reveal where our hearts are attached to something other than God. James 4 talks about this is where conflict come from. Where do wars and fights come from among you? They not come from your desires, which war within yourselves. Uh, So desires can reveal idolatry. And then finally, God can sanctify our desires so that they can be good guides for us. So let's think about, finally, how to use feelings in making decisions. Number one, recognize that your feelings can be wrong. So one helpful description of this um, is that uh, feelings are not your whole reality. Okay, So what you feel is real. So if you feel anger, if you feel fear, if you feel worry, it's real. Um, but it's just one piece of the puzzle. It's not everything. And so you take that, you step back from that feeling and say, okay, so I'm feeling fear right now, but that's not the whole picture. That's just a piece. Why am I feeling that fear? And what's going on? What's behind it? So often stepping back from that feeling helps us to see that, ah, there's more to the picture here. This is one of those scenarios. It's not a rattlesnake scenario. This is one of those scenarios that I need to trust the Lord and put down my fear, uh, and rest secure in Him. Uh, so, so stepping back from our feelings and recognizing that they're, they're real, but they're not my whole reality. They're just part of the picture. Number two, discuss your motives with those who know you well. Feelings are really strong, um, and, and, and they shape the way we view everything. You've heard of the phrase rose-colored glasses, right? Uh, 
so when you're in love with somebody, right, you're seeing them with rose-colored glasses, and so you don't see their faults, and everything is just beautiful about them, and, you know, you're Twitter-pated and all of this stuff. Well, that's where friends can be really helpful because they don't have the same feelings as you. And so you can talk with them and share with them, and they can say, you are, you're nuts. You've lost it. This, this guy's a fool. He's, you know, stay away from him. And, uh, you know, listen. Listen to your friends because they, uh, they can help us to discern our motives and what's going on, to see past our feelings because they're not wearing the rose-colored glasses like we are. Um, use appropriate vocabulary to describe your feelings. Again, uh, not God told me or the Spirit led me to, um, but instead I, I thought it would be wise for me to do this. Uh, I think God's given me a desire to do this, uh, but leaving room for you to be wrong and for a friend to help you see, well, actually, I don't think you're right there. Let me take you to this passage that would correct you. And then finally, correct uh, your natural biases. Are you hesitant by nature? You may need to learn to make decisions even when you're uncomfortable. That's me, okay? I'm the guy that wants to have all my ducks in a row before I make a choice. I want to know for sure that it's the right decision, that it's going to turn out well. I will think about a decision. I, I would do it for my whole life if it helped me be sure that it would be the right decision. Uh, but there comes a point when we have to step forward, right? And so uh, we have to understand our own nature. So if we're hesitant by nature, we need to, we're going to have to learn to make decisions even when we're not 100% sure. And I told you I've had to do that just about every time I've made a big decision in my life. I would have loved to have more time to think about it. It doesn't work that way. Uh, on the flip side, you may be a person that makes decisions really easily, right? As soon as you're given the first option, you know what you're going to choose, and you haven't even heard the second option yet, right? Uh, some of us are wired that way. So knowing ourselves means, okay, wait a second, I need to hold my horses. <laughs> I think I know what the right decision is, but probably be wise for me to pray about it, consult scripture, get some counsel, right? So again, correct our natural biases, even if our feelings may be for or against, depending on what our nature is, what's natural to us. All right, any questions on feelings and how they affect our decisions? Right, I feel like it's time to move on. Get it? All right, whatever. <laughs> Finally, wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is knowing God's ways and truth and acting in light of what God has said to be true. Another way you could put it is living in God's reality. Living in God's reality, according to everything that God has said to be true. The wise life. Um, this class began uh, by addressing fear of man as opposed to fear of God. And it's fun because it's come full circle, right? Because remember the, the passage, well, actually there's multiple verses in Proverbs that say it. Uh, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of 
wisdom. It's respect, reverence, awe for God that helps me to see His world accurately. It helps me to trust Him with my circumstances. That helps me to submit to Him when He asks me to obey. Um, So again, the fear of the Lord helps us to live wise lives. Uh, One passage we'll look at tonight, it hasn't been a lot of Scripture tonight, so go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Notice especially verse 17. What does he mention is the opposite of being unwise? Understanding God's will. Yeah. So wisdom is understanding God's will. Uh, And understanding God's will is wisdom. So as we develop what God calls in the word wisdom, this ability that begins with fearing God and is developed as we know God and we know His word, we're able to walk in His will. We're able to walk in Wisdom. So the question is, how do we pursue wisdom? D.A. Carson puts it this way, Spiritual wisdom and understanding constitute the means by which God fills us with the knowledge of His will. How do we become wise? Proverbs tells us it's a lifelong pursuit. Here's Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. So wisdom comes as we fear the Lord and know the Lord, delight in the Lord, seek Him and understand Him and His ways. The more we know of Him and the more we worship Him and the more we delight in Him, the more we will naturally see the world the way He sees it and therefore walk in wisdom. And it's, it's not a feeling. It's not something magical that happens. It's just the way that God shapes us into His image. So some practical ways that you can pursue wisdom. First of all, fear God, right? That is the first half of our course. How do we conquer fear of man and fear of rejection and fear of exposure? Remember all those things we talked about early on? We, we develop our awe and reverence for the Lord. And that's the beginning of wisdom, that God remains highest in our lives, on the throne. Nothing supersedes Him. So it begins there. Secondly, we seek wisdom the ways that God has said it can be found. Our closing discussion question, I know you have one more blank, but 
what ways has God told us that wisdom can be found? How can we grow in wisdom? What has God told us? Prayer. Ask God for wisdom. Excellent. And I cut you off before you finish the verse. Yeah, James 1.4. Yeah, and, and there's a promise there that he gives to all liberally without reproach. Okay, so prayer. What else? How else do we gain wisdom? Scripture, yeah, Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands within you, the Scriptures make us wise. That's right. What else? Counselors. counselors, yes, wise counselors. I liked your, uh, your correction there, or your uh, whatever, adjective. Wise counselors, wise counselors. Yeah, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, the book of Proverbs tells us, right? Anyone else have an idea? Good, so prayer, seeking the counsel of others, spending time in God's word, uh, trusting, and I would even add to that list, obedience, obedience. Walking in obedience is actually a way to gain wisdom. That seems counterintuitive, but it's really true. Um, when we obey the Lord, we learn, and it leads us down a path to, to learn and understand more and take more steps of obedience. And so there are times in life where we don't understand everything. We don't have the wisdom to have it all figured out, but we know the next step He wants us to take. And in obedience, we gain wisdom. Uh, and so there's, there's a part of that too. So these three things are super helpful. It begins with a fear of the Lord, an awe and reverence and respect for who He is, seeking wisdom, the ways that He says it can be found in His Word, through prayer and through counselors, and then obeying His Word, doing what He has told us to do in the Scriptures. Job twenty-eight twenty-eight. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. Uh, we, we seek after the Lord, turning away from evil, delighting in Him, and we walk in the way of wisdom. Father, we thank You for Your Word, that You are all wise, and in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We do ask for Your help. We face so many uh, decisions and challenges in life. We want to live in a way that's pleasing to You. So help us. Give us wisdom as we study your word and become more like Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.